everyone, welcome to the Unleashing Brilliance podcast. I'm your host, Janine Garner, and I've pulled together some of the greatest minds from around the globe to help inspire you to release your own brilliance into the world. Whether we are talking to entrepreneurs, business owners, or just some all-round awesome people, I can guarantee these conversations will help you start thinking about how you can create more impact in the work that you do. A mix of incredible interviews and my own personal musings, join me from wherever you are to begin the journey to unleashing your own brilliance into the world. Hello there, Janine Garner here, your host of Unleashing Brilliance, and I am super pumped about today's conversation. To give you some background, a few years ago, I met Cheesy, Ziggy, Benny, and Funky George, and I have to say that they are four of the most incredible teachers on leadership that I've ever had the pleasure of learning from. They taught me about the power of trust, authenticity, and courage. I met them during a unique and experiential training session run by founder and CEO of Four-Legged Sages, Linda McGregor. Yep, you've guessed it. The four teachers I'm talking about were actually horses. You see, I learned that day that the wonderful thing about horses is that they have no hidden agenda. They're the masters of emotional intelligence and they have this incredible ability to allow us to see ourselves for what we really are. You know, do we behave in a way that's congruent to what we think? Does our body language match what we're saying? Are we really building trust with an individual or are we behaving superficially? This is now the work of my latest guest, Linda McGregor. Linda herself has spent her career working on all sides, marketing, advertising, strategy, and business development. She's got over 30 years of experience client and agency side across the world. And in 2003, she actually founded Leading Insight Consultancy, All About Eve. She has wide expertise of creating and leading teams and businesses in a variety of setups, markets, and categories. Her twin passions in life, her work, delivered aha insights about people and her longtime hobby around horses actually inspired her teamwork and leadership training offshoot for legged sages here she blends threefold social and neuroscience insight her own leadership and teamwork expertise and the unique wisdom from horse herd dynamics and horse whispering and this is what we're going to talk about today. As she says, most of us never really think about how leadership happens. We enter the workplace, we are the boss or someone is our boss, and we try and give direction or follow direction. Sometimes it works and sometimes it breaks down due to a lack of respect, the presence of friction and stress. And at worst, this leads to a breakdown of positive relationships and eventually work culture. She talks about being chosen as a leader being a different concept where you actually need to earn the right to lead, to earn respect and loyalty. And to do this, she says, you must prove that you are worthy to be the leader, that you can be trusted to hold the reins of the team and guide them to success safely and fairly. She actually argues that being a leader means people choose to follow you, that leadership is something that's earned and when followership happens, loyalty and longevity are the reward. So the question you've got to ask yourself is, are you a leader simply because of your job title or position on an organizational chart, or are you a leader because others choose to follow you? 
please welcome my latest guest, Linda McGregor. During this conversation, we talk about this concept of becoming a leader that others choose to follow and why, from her perspective, we can learn so much more from our four-legged sages. Well, I'm so excited, Linda, that I finally got you on my podcast. Although you did just share with me, you were one of my very first podcast guests. I can't believe that. Loyal, loyal supporter. Thank you so much. And thanks for joining me again. Look, as always, it's a delight talking to you. Well, I'm super pumped about the conversation today because you and I met many years ago when you were doing a particular job. And then we suddenly, we subsequently met a few years ago when you're doing what you do now. And as I was just saying off air, the experience that I had in that space of leadership growth and learning, working with horses has stayed with me and continues to come back and give me amazing reminders of how we need to behave and how we should behave and what we can do better as leaders. I actually featured your story in my latest book, Be Brilliant. So I can't wait to unpack that because I think your work is revolutionary and I think your work is absolutely critical in this world that we're now living in, this world of massive adaptive challenge, where the reality is as leaders, as teams, as organizations, We've never before faced a world quite like we're in now, and yet the needs are still real of influencing and driving change. So um, super pumped to get into that. But before we do, let me just do some quick fire questions. You listeners might have picked up a very slight accent there. Where are you from, Linda? Oh, well, hopefully your listeners can actually understand me. (laughs) I'm originally from Scotland in the UK, but left long time ago now, spent some years in Asia and then finally ended up here, which is now my home in Sydney, Australia. And can you remember what that very first job was that you did? Your very first one? Well, hey, my dad was always about teaching you things. So very early on, we had to earn our pocket money. So technically, my first job was washing his car. Yeah. (laughs) My first paid job other than that would have been, you'll love this, working in a frozen food retail outlet in the UK as a school kid. Yeah. But then I think the important bit, what was my first career job, I guess, that was working for what's now called Diageo in their UK office in the marketing department, working on great spirit brands like Johnny Walker, Hennessy Cognac, that sort of thing. And what were you doing for them? What particular role, what area of the business were you working in, Linda? So marketing was very much what I decided was my love, having gone through uni and done a business course. And so, yeah, I was lucky enough to score a position there and started off as a marketing assistant. Yeah, wow. And tell us, what is it that you're doing now? (laughs) That's so far removed and yet not. (laughs) You've summed that up very nicely. It is removed and not. Well, what I do now is I run a company called Four-Legged Sages, where I coach leadership and teamwork skills to largely corporates, corporate people, with more than a little bit of help from a very special team of my horses. Oh, I can't wait to get into this. Now, before we start talking about the horses and why, from your perspective, they are the key teachers, almost the most essential teachers that we can have when it comes to leadership, let's go back to childhood 
living in Scotland. How would you describe, whereabouts in Scotland did you grow up? Because Scotland's got lots of different cultures, even within the little place that is Scotland, hasn't it? It does indeed. It does indeed. So I grew up in Dundee, which is on the east coast of Scotland, not far from Edinburgh, which most people would know. And pretty working class in terms of an overall town. And I had a pretty happy childhood, you know. I had great parents, very different parents who gave me different life skills, I guess you'd call it nowadays. And yeah, pretty happy childhood. But interestingly, probably one of the things that shaped me as I am nowadays is much as I'm a very strong person now, I was actually bullied at school, in high school. And that really, I think, turned me into a bit of a people watcher and wanting to understand people's behavior and why they did what they did and what made them tick. So, yeah, that, that's probably my background. And then you moved from there to go to uni. Where did you go to uni? Did you stay in Scotland or...? I, I not only stayed in Scotland, I stayed in Dundee. Did so you? I was an, a late bloomer in terms of traveling. <laughs> we have gone to the total opposite, almost the total opposite of the world now. <laughs> Indeed. So you studied marketing, studied business, is that right? Business studies where basically I majored in behavioral science. Interesting. So how that connects with those early days of getting curious about why people behaved, how they behaved. And then you went into a marketing role, which is all about customer behavior and using that to increase market share or launch brands, isn't it? Absolutely. You know, marketing 101 is, first of all, understand your target audience and what their needs are, and then have a brand that actually meets and delivers those needs. So yeah, very much tied in. And how long did you stay in corporate world? Ooh, well, I was in the corporate world as an employee Mm. in all of my time in the UK and then most of my time in Asia. In fact, all of my time in Asia. I then came down to Australia and carried on working those days for ad agencies. Mm. So it wasn't until, let me think, 2003, which is a long time ago now, that I went out on my own and started my marketing to women consultancy all about Eve. And where did that idea come from? What made you leave that corporate world or as an employee to then start up your own agency? What was the watershed moment for making that decision? I think it was a case of I, I realized I, you know, I was going from senior management to top management and that that was probably going to be something like running an ad agency. But at the time, I felt that I had kind of done the textbook career path. I'd made all the right moves. I'd gone to all the right companies. And I just wanted to take some time out for me. So I went off and mustered cattle for a couple of months, as you do. And when I came back, I had a totally different mindset. And at the time, I had a friend from my corporate days who said to me, I've got this idea about marketing to women, which I initially thought was probably not a very clever idea went off and researched it and went, actually, there is a real need to help people understand women better and how to market to them. And so we basically founded All About Eve. And All About Eve is still going, isn't it? It is in the background. I very much turned it down um, because, you know, after nearly two decades of doing Mm. that and spending 
you know, a lot of time absolutely at the top in terms of being number one in Australia for that, I kind of felt my passion waning a little bit. And meanwhile, I had got very intrigued with this whole idea of horses helping humans learn. Mm -hmm. So, yes, it's still running technically, but really all my time and all my passion goes into four-legged sages nowadays. So let's talk about that. So there's so much that we could talk about, you know, building your own business, marketing to women. But what I really want to give gift our listeners today is some insight into how you help unleash leadership brilliance through your business, Four-Legged Sages, which is Horses Helping Humans. Can you remember that moment, that watershed moment for you where the idea planted itself so strongly in your mind that you went, I've got to do this? And what was it that triggered it? Where did it all come from, this passion that you now have? Look, I think it was there and bubbling away in the background. I'd always had a passion for horses, albeit I came to riding late in the day. But in terms of watership moments, there was actually two very distinct moments. The first one was my riding horse, Siggy, was injured. And I spent nine months having to rehab him, which meant I couldn't ride him. And I had to work with him on the ground instead of being in the saddle. And I learned so much about partnership and about listening to what other people want, in this case, a horse, during that time. So that was watershed moment number one. And during that, because I wasn't riding, I was sitting watching someone else have a riding lesson. And in it, I saw them trying so hard and getting frustrated because, in inverted commas, this damn horse wouldn't do what they wanted it to do. The interesting thing was what she thought she was asking the horse to do and what her energy and body language was asking the horse to do were radically different. Mm -hmm. And at that moment, I thought horses are really good at giving honest, open, big feedback if you're in a position to actually listen to what they're actually telling you. Imagine if we could harness that, pardon the pun, and actually use that to help people learn more about their own behaviours and how it's impacting the people around them. And that's where Four-Legged Sages came from. Indeed. So can you share with our audience who are probably, some of them may have seen this type of work in action, others may be going, oh, tell me more. Can you tell me more about this concept that you have, this knowledge that you have, this evidence that you have around horses really helping develop incredible leadership skills. Tell us more. Yeah, look, probably the best way to explain it to people is by actually talking about horse whispering. Most people know the horse whisperer, the book, the Robert Redford film, and our understand, <clears throat> excuse me, the concept of a horse whisperer. But the interesting thing is it's a myth. It's all about, you know, someone who's born with these amazing skills to get horses to do whatever they want. In fact, when you talk to horse whisperers and you actually watch them, they will actually tell you what they really are, are really good observers. They watch and they listen. They then take those insights and they turn them into a way to then communicate with the horse in such a way that the, the horse understands what's been asked of it and at the same time feels it's being listened to. So two-way two -way communication. And then over a period of time, then the relationship develops, trust develops, and the horse basically chooses 
to follow the horse whisperer as its leader, as opposed to being forced to follow a leader. Mm. And that's fundamentally the concept that actually works with humans as well. There's so many similarities between horses living in herds and having leaders of that herd, and us living in families and living in teams and having leaders in terms of our personal life and also at work. But Mm. what horses do well is that they make their leaders earn the right to be followed. And I think quite often, especially in in a work, in a corporate environment, we get the title of leader and think, therefore, we are a leader. And in fact, that's very much just the start of people's leadership journey. So that's, there's two beautiful things that you said there. One was the importance of developing the trust so that others choose to follow And then almost the flip side of that, that leaders need to earn the right to be followed. So how do you teach this? How does, what is the experience of the horses teaching people this? And have you got an example of how it works, of how that teaching happens? So are you inspired to step up, to take massive action in your own business? Maybe you're feeling like the world's best kept secret and a little bit invisible right now. Or maybe you're frustrated at your lack of progress and want to win more at work and succeed more in life. Maybe it's about being ready to welcome more sales and more profit finally into your business. If you're interested in finding out more about my work, check me out on all the usual social platform suspects or email me at support at janinegarner.com.au and let's set up a time to chat about how I can help you. Yeah, so what happens very much in a morning when people come to our kind of facilities is we'll start off and we'll talk about leadership principles and what does it mean to be a a good leader or a true leader. And my job there is really to facilitate and start to open people's mind to ask themselves questions about leadership in general, but also what leadership means to them and what type of a leader are they. And then basically what we look to do is do what I call a, a mini masterclass where I actually work with a horse that is free in what's known as a round yard area, which is, as it sounds, just an enclosed round area, where the horse is actually not on any sort of lead or leash or rein, but it's actually free to move around as it wants to. And over a period of about 20 to 25 minutes, I actually work with that horse to observe it, listen to it, have a conversation with it about the fact I would like to be its leader and give it signals in terms of why I'm a worthy leader. I have to watch to the, with the feedback it gives me as it literally runs circles around me in a walk, in a trot, sometimes in quite a fast canter and watch its various body feedback, body language to me as it tells me, I don't like what you're saying here. I don't like that pressure you're you're applying. Oh, I like this though. Oh, that makes me feel confident. That makes me feel I can trust you. And that's a conversation that goes through a number of stages. So I demo that to people, to our participants in the morning. And then depending on the format, either one or in turn, all of the participants get a chance to actually get in the round yard for themselves with a horse. And I'm in there basically to coach them and and to help them feel comfortable. 
And then, believe it or not, people who have never even handled horses can actually work with a horse and earn the right to get that horse to trust them and choose to come into the centre of that round yard and tap them on the back of the shoulder and say, I want to follow you. I want to choose you as my leader, which is pretty emotional for a lot of people. Well, I was going to talk to that because I was lucky enough to bring a group of leaders to your stables, your location to experience that. And I can still remember this energy that was amongst the group of, oh, this looks easy, this will be fine, et cetera, et cetera. And these were incredibly, you know, successful leaders, uh, female leaders, you know, very in control of the areas of business, the the people that they were looking after, responsible for decision-making, teams, budgets, et cetera. And I can still remember there was a lady called Kylie yeah. And she stepped in to do it. And you could see, you know, this this energy didn't reflect or what she felt about herself wasn't actually reflected in the energy that she was giving out. And witnessing the horse's response to that was just phenomenal. And then to your point, it probably took about 20 minutes, if not longer. But seeing this nonverbal communication happen such that finally she connected with that horse And the horse, I remember, walked up behind her and did just that. It literally went, I'm ready to follow you now. And I know from her, when I've subsequently spoken to her, it was a significant moment in her understanding leadership. And I guess that's really my next question. What what have you, what feedback have you had? What shifts in behavior? What are the lessons that the human beings in this exercise are learning that they're then taking back into work? Yeah, look, great question. And just as a sidebar, Kylie has actually been back since and brought her entire top leadership oh, wow. team with her to a session at, at our facilities. So that's always a tick in the box in terms of did they think it worked? But what do people normally take out of it? Look, it's a very personal experience for everyone. So everybody takes slightly different what I call aha moments. But the areas that that they all sit around are, I guess, congruence, starting to realize that what you say and how you act actually need to be in sync with each other. And interestingly, at least 20% of our working day, we are incongruent. So what we're saying and how we're acting or behaving don't actually match. Mm. And subconsciously, not just horses, but humans, people in the workplace actually know that you don't believe in what you're saying. So congruence is a really big lesson that I think the horses teach people really quickly and in a really loud way so that you can't miss it. And that was one of the things that was going on with Kylie. Mm. The second thing that therefore that demands of you, which is a great gift, I think, to give people is self-awareness. Only if you're aware of yourself and your actions and how they impact other people can you then start to actually be a genuine leader because you need to be aware of what you're doing and how it impacts those around you. Third thing, which I love probably most of all, much as I get credit for what I do, I always say, but the teachers are not me. I'm the facilitator. The teachers are the horses. The interesting thing is, however, the third thing that people take away is because of working with horses, people actually end up teaching themselves. 
So they see what the horse is saying to them. They feel what the horse is, is feeling in relation to them. And they actually end up having a conversation with themselves where they start to tap in and understand themselves better. And for me, that's one of the magic parts of what I get to do. Oh, I love that. Can you just tell me a little bit more about that? And maybe have you got a specific example you can share? On the self-learning? That last bit, Yeah. Yeah. So I had someone that came along to one of our leadership sessions and they're not always leadership, by the way, sometimes they're teamwork. But in this leadership session, she had come along and hadn't told me up front that she was actually afraid of horses. That, mm. that was an interesting one. Not actually something that's that unusual. We get it quite often. Anyway, she came along. She watched me do my thing. She's actually an executive coach herself. And she said, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to try and do this. But, you know, this is a big step up for me. Anyway, she walked into the round yard after the demo. She got her own horse. She started doing her session. And I have to say, she probably did one of the best sessions I've ever seen anyone do. We walked, stepped out of the round yard. Horse went back out to the paddock. And I said to her, how did you go with that then? And she said, what I've learned here is that I am in control of how I react to a situation and how the opportunities of that situation play out. I could have been afraid of that, of working with that horse. I knew I had the comfort of you there as safety, but it was up to me to ground myself and step up and be present in the moment and say, I can do this. And for her, the self-learning was realizing if she had that mindset, that pretty much anything she wanted to do, she could do. And any corporate challenge was kind of minor compared to having worked with over half a ton of horse. That's incredible. Why do you think, Linda, it's so important? So those insights that you've shared around developing trust, being chosen to be the leader, the awareness of self and the impact that your actions have on others. From your perspective, why is this such an important skill, learning opportunity right now when it comes to leadership? Yeah, look, I think at any point in time, whether it's leadership in the workplace or whether it's a form of leadership in your personal life, having what's known as life skills, but then what in the workplace tends to actually be known as emotional intelligence is actually something that we all have subconsciously, but it's like a muscle. Unless we work on it, it doesn't function well. It's not strong. Mm -hmm. And emotional intelligence is fundamentally just really good interpersonal skills, understanding not just yourself, but others and how behavior and interaction in terms of human behavior works in order to control yourself and work better. Now, put that in context in the current environment we have, and I think it becomes even more important. During COVID, I think it was really easy for people to fall into a place where they were on Zoom calls and, and they turned the video off and therefore, hey, nobody really knows what I'm really doing. The reality is even online, even on audio, no visual, people can hear your energy. They can feel what you're feeling by the way that you're talking. So I think there's a huge lesson there for people that being present and being genuine and honest is really important at any point in your life. Mm. I'm curious. What have you learned from doing this work about yourself? <laughs> How long have you got for me to ask that question? <laughs> Look, I learn from my horses 
you know, I have four permanently on the property and others that come in depending on what I'm doing. So I learn every day from horses. And as I was saying to you before we started, I've literally just got a new young horse who every single day is challenging me on things and and helping me learn things about myself as well as about him. And then when I do sessions, every single time we leave a session, there's something that I'll tweak or I'll fine tune because somebody's had an insight that I've gone, oh my goodness, I hadn't realized that before, either about myself or about something that people took away from the sessions. So I think in order to answer your question, I'd have to go and find a way to sum up all the things I've learned. And I think it comes down to probably this. I've learned that inherently, the more curious you are about yourself and about others, the more you'll learn and the better a human and much more the better a leader you will be both in your life and in the workplace. That's really powerful. The more curious you are about yourself and others, the better human you can be. So what is your wish for leadership? You know, you've worked, you've shared a little bit of backstory around where you grew up and the study and then you know, looking, if you look back at that time at Diageo, how does it link back there, what you're learning now? How does it link to the agency that you set up? In reflection, what are some of the things that you wish you'd known back then? (laughs) Wow, that's a big question. And again, Mm -hmm. there's lots I could answer to that. I think things I've learned, don't waste time and get hung up on working with people who don't value or respect you. That's a lesson I learned very early on in terms of you can put yourself in a tailspin if you work around and you absorb and you embrace negativity. Sure, feedback is good and you can learn from that. But equally, people bring their own agendas to any situation and a lot of negativity and and barriers to getting things done is about other people's issues rather than your own. When that comes to leadership, I think one of the most powerful things I think I've learned across the years is you can only lead people once you've asked the question, have I earned the right to lead them? Would I follow myself as a leader? And if the answer to that is no, you need to go away and do some more work. But you need to be in a place where you're humble and serving the people that you're leading, but at the same time being inspirational and being confident in order for people to feel empowered and to have direction and to be able to develop from there their own direction. Mm. That's quite a powerful question to ask yourself, isn't it? Would I follow me as a leader? And just thinking about some of the leaders I've worked with in the past, I wonder, I actually wonder whether some of those leaders that probably should be asking themselves that question are actually giving themselves the space and time to own the fact that they need to ask themselves that question just pondering on it because I think there's an element it comes back to your self-awareness piece that Mm. that ability that that knowledge that knowing of getting on the balcony and looking in and going how can I be a better leader and I guess this is where your work is that through the years you've unleashed your brilliance to create now this unique opportunity for leaders to learn about themselves so that they can lead better both themselves, their teams, their organizations, and future-proof themselves. And at the same time, the service that you offer fundamentally helps other people unleash their brilliance too. 
Who's your favourite horse? Which horse has been your biggest teacher? Oh, look, I don't really have a favourite because they all teach me different things. And Mm. on different days, the same horse will teach me different things. That said, (laughs) it's a bit like asking a mother which is her favourite child here. That said, Ziggy's been with me the longest. Ziggy is my now 19-year-old thoroughbred who probably started all this. He got injured, as I mentioned earlier. I had to rehab him. And my experience with him, realizing what it was like to be in partnership with him and lead him on the ground, as opposed to master-slave partnership, Mm. which it wasn't when I rode, that changed an awful lot of things for me. And equally, if it hadn't been for Ziggy getting injured, I would never have talked my ever-accommodating husband into selling our waterfront property (laughs) to move to a five-acre horse property. (laughs) So probably from that point of view, it's all thanks to Ziggy. Yeah, I think Ziggy is one of the horses that I met when I came to do this work with you. I think I have a photo of him. In fact, I think it was Ziggy that worked with Kylie that we were talking about earlier from memory. If he didn't work with her that day, it was certainly him that worked with her when she came back the second time. And if she thought she learned the first time, she learned even more the second time. Look, he's he's big, very imposing. But because he's the leader of his herd, he really makes you work to earn Mm. his respect. And that's a real gift that I think he gives people. Mm. I think it's incredible that you've created this opportunity to gift incredible people out there, leaders, executives, individuals that are going through that process of self-awareness to understand how they can be the impact that they want to be, how they can understand who they are, who they want to be and who they want to become through this gift of horses. And that congruence piece that you spoke about is so imperative right now when there is so much challenge, there is so much change, there is so much adaptability going on that it's no longer about faking it till you make it. Maybe it never has been. But actually, how do we collectively, collaboratively and together future-proof each other and create this opportunity for each other. And what an incredible gift that you have created. In terms of you talk about leadership teams that you work with, this is something that anybody can do, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you can either come along as part of a corporate group, you can come along as an individual, and and we'll simply put you in with some other people that have just chosen to come along for their own self-development, and off we go. So yeah, whether it's a big corporate group or whether it's an individual, yep, it's open to anyone. And for people that want to find out more or understand a little bit more about leadership development through four-legged sages, through working with horses, how can they find out more about who you are, how you work, and the opportunities that are available? Well, surprise, surprise, it's probably the same as as most people. We have a website, which is, surprise, surprise, fourleggedsages.com.au, and everything you need to know is really on there. I know you are actually going to put some information in at the end of this podcast so that people can follow up then on things like contact numbers, 
Facebook, LinkedIn, that sort of thing. So yeah, there are a lot of ways to get a hold of me, but I'm old fashioned. If you can, pick up the phone and just give me a call and and let's have a chat about what we can do to help you get to where you want to get to. Linda, your career has, you know, as we wrap this up, your career has seen you working in a huge FMCG company, setting up your own agency making this change to doing the work that you're doing now. And this podcast is all about unleashing brilliance. To wrap this up, when was the moment that you felt that you'd finally found what you'd been put on this planet to do? I think, to be honest, at the end of the very first session that I ran for Four-Legged Sages, Mm -hmm. which was a test session with a very scary bunch of top-level HR, human development directors. And they were, you know, they were a very high bar to get across and kind of get on board. And their response, which was very open and honest, and I expected would be brutal in bits, was instead gushing, Mm. rave reviews. You know, I transformed these very successful, sometimes analytical, knowledgeable people I managed to transform them into happy, gushing, emotional people because of the experiences that they'd actually had with the horses. Mm. And the joy that I got from seeing them get insights, or as I refer to them, aha moments from the experience that, you know, that I have goosebumps to this mm. day about. And every time I run an event, I get the same thing. So that's when I knew I was doing the right thing and I'd found what I was meant to do and meant to be. And finally, what keeps you going? Why does your work matter? I think it matters because helping people find, I guess I call it the magic that makes it possible for them to be the person they were meant to be or do what they were meant to do, I believe matters. And if I and my horses and my fellow facilitators can help people find that, and in your words, unleash their brilliance, Mm. then I think that matters. And that's a pretty good way to, to spend your day. Linda, it's been an absolute pleasure to chat with you today. Thank you for everything you do. Thank you to all your horses and Ziggy. And I will absolutely add all your details to these show notes, encourage anybody listening with any level of curiosity about themselves, how they're leading, the opportunities, the gaps, the blind spots in their own leadership teams or organizations to just get a little bit curious about how potentially an amazing group of four-legged sages can help them. Thanks so much, Linda. It's been such a joy to talk to you again. Look, my pleasure. And for those people, by the way, that don't think they can make it to sit to Sydney to see things firsthand, we are actually able to do a whole load of stuff online. So don't think that you have to miss out because you're not local to Sydney. Awesome. Thanks for adding that in. Given our global audience, check out Linda. Linda, it's been a pleasure. Have a truly awesome rest of the day and I'll catch up with you soon. Love talking to you once again. Thanks a lot. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Unleashing Brilliance. I hope you have new ideas on how to step into your own brilliance after listening today. For those of you who don't know, my own brilliance is helping businesswomen embrace their brilliance to achieve greater profits align with their purpose and create greater impact through their business. 
I've helped thousands of businesswomen leverage their networks, build rock-solid business plans, and break through the glass ceiling to become seven-figure business owners and beyond. If you're looking to take your business to the next level and have been feeling stuck or are frustrated that it's been taking forever, then shoot me a message today as I'd love to help you. You can email me directly at support at or find me on any of my social media platforms listed in the show notes below. Until next time, have an absolutely fabulous day.